Welcome to this week's Norfolk Heritage Centre podcast. This week we have a recording of Call the Midwife Talk that was held at St William's Way Library on Tuesday evening with Sue Vaughan, an octogenarian who used to peddle around Norwich in her role as a community midwife. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Happy listening! We better start at the beginning because I wasn't born and brought up in Norfolk at all. I was brought up in a small market town in the home counties, and I'd always know I'd known I wanted to be a nurse since I was about ten years old, but I have absolutely no idea why. <laughs> so, in actual fact, I left school at the age of sixteen which was quite good in those days because the school leaving age was 14 then. But my father wanted me to stay on at school and go to university and I said, there's a war on, I cannot stay on at school, I've got to work. So I actually worked for two years in children's residential nurseries because at that time there were quite a lot of illegitimate children, many of whom their fathers would have been completely unknown. They might not even have survived. And uh, then I applied to do my nurse training. I applied to several London teaching hospitals, but in view of my height, or rather my lack of it, (laughs) I was turned down by several. But the matron at Charing Cross Hospital accepted me She was a little Yorkshire woman and she knew that little people could work just as hard as big people anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the thing, because we did much more physical work then than than they do now, of course. So um, I finished my nurse training and did one year's staffing there. I don't know whether you're a bit interested in a bit more social history. One of my colleagues... uh, got married while she was in training and she had to leave. She wasn't, she wasn't allowed to stay on and do her year's staffing or to get her hospital medal because we had to take two exams, state and hospital, and they considered the hospital exam to be the most important, although the National Health Service had come in um, previously. Uh, the National Health Service started when I was two years into training, but they still treated the hospital just like they did when it was uh, an old voluntary hospital. And another of, of my colleagues, um, she, she got married while she was still in training. She was actually put on the mat block to help look after the babies, and we normally didn't go on the mat block in nurse training. And she fell in love with a medical student and married him and she wasn't even allowed to finish her training at our hospital she did finish it because she went to St Mary's Paddington and finished it and her husband later became a very well-known pediatrician so that's um, brief. What does that mean the matlock? So when you said the matlock? Hmm? What, you, you know you said the matlock, what does that mean? The when mat block, the maternity. Oh, the mat block. Oh, the paternity block. I'm going yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> block. Yes, so having done that, I then did a year's staffing in a sanatorium. Um, 
and got another certificate, which has been long out of date now because TV is supposed to have been expunged now. And then I wished to do my midwifery training. Whether the fact that I was supposedly born dead and it was the midwife who revived me has anything to do with this or not, I don't know, because I'm not even sure if I knew that at the time. But um, I went to Leicester to a maternity hospital called Bond Street, Leicester, which was a very peculiar place because it was made out of several terrace houses, just, you know, not together. And we were always pushing trolleys like that up and down. <laughs> and we lived in some more little, ter you know, our accommodation was in some more little terrace houses. And I have to be quite honest, I don't remember too much about my first six months of midwifery training, which I think is for two reasons. One, I had just lost my mother. In fact, I'd had to delay my training for three months. And secondly, um, the matron who had interviewed me, who was a lovely person, had meanwhile died. And the um, assistant matron who was left in charge was a, an absolutely terrible woman. I'd still like to know what happened to the money that should have been spent on our food, because we were often hungry. You know, we, she, she didn't really care for us very well. Anyway, I did that for six months. And then in September 1953, I came to Norwich because I wanted to do the second six months of my midwifery training on the district. And Norwich was one of the few places in the country where you could do that. And I met, I was put under the wing of the most lovely midwife that you could have ever met. Her name was Miss Simpson, Simmy we called her. So that was absolutely wonderful. And of course, delivering babies in small bedrooms and things like that was um, quite new to me. And I think that the first um, delivery I went to was actually ended up as a forceps delivery because we had a lot of excellent GP obstetricians in those days. Some would not have been able to do a forceps delivery and they didn't try, but some were excellent. And he had put sterile towels all around the bed and I just brushed against the corner of one. So that was my first introduction. He, he sort of made it plain that he wasn't very happy, but I mean, it was only the corner well away from the patient. <laughs> um, one of the things I think I ought to talk about is the type of uh, houses we went into, because after I'd finished that six months, I did I was a district midwife in Norwich for about the next 12 years after that. And I have delivered babies, both in slums that were in, around the Vauxhall Street area, which of course I'm not there anymore now, they've, been, they've gone, and in houses on Newmarket Road. So there was a very vast difference in the sort of houses I went into. Um, the other thing was that, although um, this didn't affect me very much at the time, except when I was sent somewhere off my district, there were new council houses being built. 
and families who moved into them often didn't have much to put in them. They were, you know, very sparse, very bare. So that was another sort of housing we went into. Uh, there was not many houses had central heating in those days. So we either had coal fires, which were often right stuck in the corner of the room. I don't know if you've ever been into any houses where there's a little coal fire in the corner of the room, which did not give out much heat. Or the thing I can remember most, because I can still remember the smell of them, is oil heaters. Um, yes, I can still remember the smell of those after all these years. One of the funny things that happened when I was training was when my midwife was off duty and another midwife was covering for her, I went to, de to a delivery which was very near, I'll explain in a minute, where we lived very near. So I got there long before the other midwife, the midwife did. And I had delivered the baby by the time she came and she was so taken aback and I'm still just wondering exactly how I could have prevented it from coming. <laughs> I've never worked that one out quite. We lived um, at number four Earlham Road, which is the house that overlooks the plantation gardens. We had no idea that there were any gardens there. It was all just rubble and um, weeds and everything. We didn't have any idea there was any gardens there. Um, but we lived there. We took it in turns. I suppose there was about half a dozen of us um, student midwives. We took it in turns to have the phone at night. And then if the call was for somebody else, we had to go and wake up whoever it was. The one thing I do remember there was that we had an excellent cook who was absolutely wonderful at finding something to eat if you missed a meal. She was very, very good. So, yes, I, I, I really enjoyed that six months and it was very good with uh, Mrs. Nurse Simpson. She really was a very, very... Well, she was an excellent midwife and also an absolutely lovely person. So having done the six months and then had become a midwife, um, at this time I was still riding around on a bicycle and we had a big square case on the back with all our equipment in and gas and air on the handlebars. Yeah. Now you're noticing call the midwife, they weren't using gas and air at that time, but we were all carrying it around with us. And much later on, we were actually also issued with little oxygen cylinders in case we needed them to help to resuscitate a baby. I never did need it, but we had them. So in this, um, you know, I'll, I'll just go on a bit and talk about the role of the district midwife. We actually, patients could book us directly. They did not have to book doctors. So some patients booked their GPs and some just booked the midwife, which meant there were occasions when you had to call some poor bloke out who didn't even know that person was pregnant, never mind that she was in labor if we ran into difficulties. So uh, a lot of the time we were 
solely responsible for the antenatal care. We had weekly antenatal clinics and the mums used to come more often at the end, you know, towards the last six weeks, they used to come every fortnight and before that it had been once a month. And so we, I don't know, are any of you midwives by the way? Yes, we used to not feel me. the... My mom, my mom. Oh yeah, <laughs> she knows more than I do then. <laughs> we used to feel the fundus, listen to the fetal heart, take the blood pressure and that sort of thing. Um, other people did book doctors, so they went to their doctors as well. But they usually used to come to our clinics as well as going to their doctors, actually. Um, our function, were you a district midwife? Mum was, yes. Our role was really to look after the mothers antenatally. And sometimes we did home visits, like if we'd found somebody with a high blood pressure at clinic, we would follow them up at home. And then, of course, we'd let the doctor know there was just one doctor in Norwich who was so appalling, it was no good telling him anything because he didn't understand it. So I made um, a very good relationship with his wife over the phone. Doctors' wives in those days were uh, remarkable people. They, doctors wouldn't have functioned without them. <laughs> and um, so if I said Mrs. So-and-so should be checked up at the hospital, that was done. But if I tried to explain it to him, he wouldn't have known what I was talking about. But apart from that, all the GPs were pretty good. And as I say, some were really excellent obstetricians. Um, so we looked after the mothers antenatally. Then, of course, we were there for the deliveries. So sometimes you might be with a mum for many hours. And sadly, that mother had to end up going into hospital. And sometimes mothers had quite quick deliveries. I can remember going out um, in a snowstorm one night to one of the, um, not on Newmarket, one of the little roads that was off Newmarket Road. And I got there just in time and they, they hadn't had time to light the fire. And <laughs> I got there in time to catch the baby. <laughs> that was the sort of thing we had. Um, I said I started off on a bicycle, but uh, I soon discovered that although Norfolk is reputed to be flat, Norwich is hilly, so it wasn't long before I learnt to drive a car, because that was rather essential. <laughs> to begin with, I stayed living at Four Earlham Road for a few weeks, and then I moved in with a, another midwife and her family. I lived with them for quite a while. And uh, eventually I got a council flat at a reduced rent. And um, that worked quite well. The, I, the, the area I was doing was sort of Earlham Road, Durham Road, and um, as I say, Newmarket Road. And the flat was on um, North Park Avenue. So I was there for quite a long time. And... I really did enjoy this job. It was, well, it wasn't a job, it was a, a profession. The, um, you mentioned um, that uh, you'd worked with a 
a good midwife during yes. training. What would you describe as being a good midwife? Well, view? A, she was a good midwife because she knew what she was doing. Well, were there some that didn't? Cause she, was <laughs> she was an excellent midwife. Yeah. But B, she was a lovely person, both from the point of view as me as a student and from the point of view of the mums and their families. Because I think one of the best things about being a midwife is being there when this baby is born in the heart of the family. I think that really is, you know, a bonus. It's not the same in the hospital, but, well, I don't know, it is now, because you have lots of family around, I believe they do now, but <laughs> it wasn't then. <laughs> and some, some of the time, of course, things ended up going very well and everybody was very happy and it was very beautiful at the times things were a bit sad i can remember one very sad event when i had delivered this baby with the doctor present and it had very broad shoulders and i had recently been to a refresher course and we had been um, shown how to deliver a baby if the shoulders were too broad. i mean the head had come out all right but the shoulders were very broad the next day the doctor rang me up to go and lay the baby out. That was incredibly sad. Um, but most times things ended up happily. The other thing is that um, we didn't very often get called out to people having miscarriages. We did occasionally because um, when I was doing midwifery, the fetus was viable at 28 weeks. So I think it's somewhat less than that now isn't it? I think they say 24. 24, 24 weeks, yes yeah. that's what I thought. So anything before 28 weeks would have been regarded as a miscarriage and of course if it was delivered at home there was no way you could have kept it alive because they would have to go straight into an incubator and we had no way of doing that so I do remember two very sad occasions when probably some 22 to 24 weeks were delivered and I, I was there then and they did survive for a few minutes and that's very sad because these days they would have been put in an incubator and they might very well have lived um, the one thing i remember about council houses is once I got called over to Bowthorpe, which wasn't on my area at all, in a new council house, well, newish then, obviously, and it was the only house I've ever been into where they had no sheets or pillowcases, ever. <laughs> and I was there most of the night, and the husband, as usual, brought a cup of tea for the mother and the midwife afterwards. And the tea had so much sugar in that I could nearly stand the spoon up in it. <laughs> and I don't take sugar. <laughs> but I thought as I'd been there most of the night, I probably needed it. So I drank it. I mean, you could never be so rude as not to drink a cup of tea. There were times when I just hoped that the boiling water that made the tea had sterilised the cups. <laughs> but... Um, the best of it was that after that, I couldn't get the car started to move off. And do you know, not only that husband, 
but husbands from men from all around in the houses all around came and gave me a push start to get that Aww. car going. That was what they were still like because that was when they were used to living in these small communities, and uh, you know that's the sort of thing they still did. They still kept kept up that sort of tradition, which was which was lovely. Um, Any twins delivered? Hmm? Any twins delivered? No, I never did deliver twins. That is, uh, no, that is something I just miss out on. I didn't deliver any twins. <laughs> did you? That's my mum. Uh, you delivered mom. twins. Mm. 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 Undiagnosed. Undiagnosed hmm? twins. Undiagnosed twins. Oh, yes, no. I never did deliver twins because if they were diagnosed, I think they went in hospi into hospital anyway. I don't think they ever stayed to have the babies at home if they were diagnosed. So. And it was on a big farm. <laughs> <laughs> I did yeah. once go out to a, somebody in her, um, well, I think she was actually getting on for 50. I, I think she was in her late 40s. And she had no idea she was pregnant until she went into labour. And I got called out. <laughs> I don't know whether she had had any children before that or not, because, you know, I was just suddenly called to this delivery. And... Uh, Yes, very, very, very strange. But, and I think I can remember a case of a, a young girl who was living with her father who went into labour without knowing she was pregnant, or at least she avowed that she didn't know she was pregnant. So. <laughs> what, kind of tech, what, kind of, sorry, what kind of techniques did you use to sort of encourage things to progress? Did you sing to them? Did you? Me? I can't, <laughs> I can't sing a note in tune. I think that would have, I think that would have somewhat delayed labour. <laughs> oh, I don't know, not <laughs> No, I mean in early labour, particularly with first babies, they'd be walking around quite a lot. I mean, you'd go out, you'd go to somebody 
and you might, you know, go and do something else and go back again. Uh, obviously, if it was a very quick labour, you stayed there, and you did, they didn't need any encouragement in that case. But the younger the mother, the faster the labour? No, no, that no, is not, no, no, not, not necessarily case. at all. I not think thing, no. the best thing I can say about that is my two great nieces, they are sisters. The elder one has had two very long labours. The first one ended up as a C-section, and the second one was a von Toos extraction. That was something that only just started when I finished doing midwifery. And uh, the other one has them like shelling peas. She's also got two children. And with the first one, I know they had to drive quite a long way to hospital, but she was already pushing when she got there. Um, with the second one, she said to me, I don't know whether to book to have the baby at home or in the hospital, auntie. So I said, well, whatever you book, dear, you'll have the baby at home. <laughs> and the midwife went to see her with a view to just seeing how things were getting on. And she said, I think I'll stay. <laughs> that was just as well that she did. <laughs> so, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a... As a, as a rule, um, second and subsequent babies will come faster, but not, not always. It doesn't, doesn't always work like that, no. Did you spend any time in the hospitals, or were you always on your bike around the district? Um, no, on the, while I was on the district, I was on the district. The only time I entered the Norfolk and Norwich was if I had to take a patient in, because perhaps she was going to have a C-section or something. Um, when I'd had, uh, after about 12 years or so, I was really just too tired to carry on doing district midwifery anymore. So I did go into the West because they had a midwifery unit there at the time, but I didn't like it. As compared with home, I didn't like it at all. So after that, after about a couple of years, I changed tackle together and, and did my health visitor training. You see, as, a, as district midwives, we were on call 24-7, except for 24 hours one week and 48 hours the next week. I think we probably had about four weeks holiday. I can't really remember exactly how much holiday we had. And uh, we didn't get time in lieu for bank holidays or anything like that. <laughs> I remember somebody writing in the EDP recently, she thought there should be more bank holidays. <laughs> I said, well, I was on a Monday and I do something on a Monday. I didn't want to be anymore. <laughs> now, How many babies do you think you delivered? Oh, I don't know. Several hundred. Wow. Yes. Um, when we got home after, you know, after the delivery and we'd cleared up and bathed the baby and uh, made sure that everything was okay with the mother, we went home. No matter what time it was or however tired it was, we had to take everything out of our delivery bag, boil up all the instruments, um, put a new lining in, white clean white lining and it, it had pockets for the um, forceps and things to go in and space at the bottom for other things and you had to do that before you you know before you could go to bed or do anything else 
uh, when we got to the home, we normally boiled the instruments up again, but bearing in mind that sometimes we didn't have time to do that, that was why it was very important to put them away perfectly clean. Um, we had a uniform of, we wore a blue dress and we had an outdoor coat which was grey and a grey sort of cap hat thing, you know, with one of those with a div division down the middle of it. So if ever I was in trouble, it was not usually for anything I was doing as regards midwifery, it was because I wasn't wearing my hat. <laughs> because I, I've never been a great one for wearing hats. There's a lady at the back who's going to ask you a question, Sue. Um, do you, have you kept in touch with any of your, um, the mums or the children that have grown up? Or you um, not really, but there is someone who lives quite near to me who assures me that I delivered her son, and her son is now in his late 50s. He's about the same age as my nephew, actually. Um, and she was calling me Nurse Vaughan all around the thing. And I said, please, I'm not Nurse Vaughan anymore. No. So she doesn't she, anymore. She just says hello now. <laughs> but apart from that, no, I haven't really kept in touch with anybody that I delivered as um, a midwife. You see, it's a, it's a long time ago now. So... You know, the, the youngest ago. babies I delivered now would be what, golly, I can't think for a minute. Um, they would have been delivered in about 1988, the youngest ones that I would have delivered. Because it was in 89, I think, that I started health visiting. So, you know, that is a long time ago. It would be difficult. Oh, I mean, all the... I mean, I don't know why I'm still here. All the mothers and parents wouldn't still be alive anyway now. And I, I obviously wouldn't know who the, who the babies were. <laughs> I have um, come across one or two people I met when I was health visiting, although I was doing that over in Lowfield and Brundleway, because I was going to a group at... Um, the Thorpe End Church Hall at one time and they had a preschool group there and one of the people running it she said oh you're Nurse Vaughan aren't you she remembered me after all that time and uh, she said she could remember me visiting her mother you know her and her mother as children and she said I think it might be because of you that I'm working with children so I thought that was lovely <laughs> I thought that was really lovely but the people I delivered as babies no that would be much too long ago um, did you ever think of going into any other profession hmm? did you ever think of going in, into any other profession or mm. do you think no that no no I wouldn't have ever wanted to go into any other profession, no. no. I, would, I would have preferred to have been able to go on doing midwifery, although I did thoroughly enjoy health visiting. I would have preferred to go on doing midwifery, but the thing was I got so tired. And then, of course, when I went into the West, we did uh, 12 weeks days and six weeks nights. 
and I've never really been able to sleep in the day so that you know I was still tired when I was doing night duty because I've never actually I've got a nephew who is a taxi driver he can come in in the middle of the day fall asleep for a couple of hours and then get up again and go and drive his taxi well I just couldn't do that so I think that was really why I got so tired. I mean, I never could really sleep in the day, even when I was doing my nurse training and was on nights. Um, as I said, there's some of the. Did you have? Did you ha work with any GPs? Well, we were on the district. We were connected with the GP yeah because we worked as a gp in our own right mm -hmm. as a district nurse midwife mm. and we were our uh, gp in our own right not gp you need to be booked no we, we are booked some of the patients were booked from the gp but then yeah like like the same with us yes. some some of the patients booked the gps yeah but when but when the patient came to us we treat the patient as though we are the GP to provide the mm -hmm. medication any any what do you call it now? Any complication or anything, we dealt with it, we didn't refer them back to the GP. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I went to work in Buckinghamshire Street after my middle phase exam. Mm -hmm. The the res my results came out and I got it. And then the next day, I was told the job was mine in Buckinghamshire. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> Do you think that with all the advances in technology, that midwifery is almost a skill that's been lost to be able to look yes. at, to be able to look at um, a mother and and instinctively know what's right. Mm -hmm. Now there's so much technology mm. that can track from day one you know <laughs> yes of what's going on yeah well I, I don't know you know more about that <laughs> but yes that you brought up another point that I forgot to say that is that um, if there was some doubt as to which way the baby was lying and particularly of course if it was a transverse yeah. lie it was they were very reluctant to x-ray pregnant women because um, you know, if it might be dangerous for the baby. So it was only in very rare circumstances that um, the mothers were x-rayed to see how the baby was lying. And I can remember once with one of the, uh, one of the more senior doctors, actually it was my doctor as it happened, and we were having a discussion about the lie of the baby once. I don't know which way I thought it was. But he said it was the other way, and he was right, and I was wrong. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a very, he was a very uh, senior doctor who'd had a lot of experience. <laughs> he was a very good midwife as well, so he had a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. it. it must have been frustrating. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing is that, on the whole, the doctors did not try and take over and deliver the baby. It, but occasionally they asked if you minded. And of course you said you didn't mind when you did <laughs> mind. 
but that that was fine. But on one occasion, a doctor whom I had never previously met, because I did uh, had at that time met just about every GP in Norwich, but one that I had never met before, walked in and the head was crowning that you know that sealed top of the head. It was just coming out. He put some rubber gloves on and took over. If I, it's a good job I never did meet him again because I don't know quite what I would have said to him <laughs> if I had. Was he from Blowfield? Blowfield GP practice? We won't tell Well, actually, there were, two, there were two doctors with the same name and he was the younger brother. They were both doctors. I can't remember what the elder one's Christian name was, but the elder one was someone we had the greatest respect for, and he would never, never have done anything like that. Mm -hmm. Did you feel uh, that you were respected? You were respected as a, respected as a Yes, yes. I think yeah. the doctors respected us, and we respected mm -hmm. them, except, as I say, for the exceptional one. Yeah. <laughs> now, the exceptional one, there was something that I found rather embarrassing happened once. I delivered a mum. Um, she'd got several children already, so I don't know what number one it was. But afterwards, she was hemorrhaging, rather. So I, I got the doctor, and of course, he called the um, obstetrician. There was only one obstetrician and one um, registrar obstetrician at the Norfolk and Norwich in those days. And he came out and he conducted all his conversation with me or with the mother. He didn't even look at that doctor. He was on a blacklist. I, I have a friend who um, was a medical secretary and she said his name was on a blacklist of every um, department in the hospital. So it was no good asking his opinion on anything. Mm -hmm. But the thing was that that um, consultant, uh, now I can't think, what you, oh, Christian scientist, that's what he was, a Christian scientist, and he did not believe in blood transfusions. So he just said to the mother, eat plenty of herrings. <laughs> herrings were very plentiful in those days, <laughs> but I'm not sure that I think they contain a lot of iron. <laughs> but that's what he said to her as he left. <laughs> The, um, the registrar obstetrician, she, she was the only female doctor I ever met in those days. All, all, of, the doctor, all of the GPs were men. There were no women, female GPs in Norwich at that time. But there was the one GP registrar, um, sorry, registrar, who, who was a female, Mrs. Townsley. Now, she used to invite us all to, she lived on Newmarket Road, she used to invite us all to her home uh, before Christmas every year and we had a buffet supper and then she took us all to the Nevers cinema because it was at the cinema there, oh, yes. you remember? Oh, yeah. Yes, she took us to the Nevers cinema and uh, of course if we'd needed to be called out, you must remember there was no such thing as mobile phones in those days, they would have had to have Whoever took the call would have had to put it through to the cinema and then someone would have had to have come and found us. I don't think it ever happened, actually, but that's what would have had to have happened. Because, I mean, those days I could have really done with a mobile phone because 
a lot of people did not have phones at all. So you needed a doctor urgently. You had to send the husband out to a phone box. Um, possibly a neighbour had got a phone and had told them he could go in there if he needed to. But otherwise it was to a phone box to phone the doctor, or probably be the doctor's wife who had to get hold of the doctor. And it was very difficult because once once something really dreadful happened, this wasn't a, somebody I knew, it was uh, somebody else was off duty and I was called to this. She collapsed. Um, she got to the, the second stage, so the head was crown, almost crowning <coughs> and she collapsed. And I thought, I had to think ever so quickly, what do I get the husband to say, because I don't want to get him so scared that he can't ring the doctor. I can't remember how I did it now, but it worked and the doctor came. And I did exactly what we'd been taught and pressed down on the fundus, as we call it, every time she had a contraction. And got a, I did deliver a live baby. Aww. And I gather that the mother survived as well. But the um, consultant from the Norfolk, the chest consultant from the Norfolk and Norwich came out then because she'd, um, I think she'd got a collapsed lung or something, and uh, said to me, can you stay with her until the ambulance comes? See, there was no paramedics or anything. Things were very, very different in those days. There were no paramedics or anything. So, of course, I stayed with her till the ambulance came and took her into hospital. And I think some relatives looked after the baby for a while. But the midwife, who was her midwife, really, I did tell me later that she she had survived, so I don't I really don't know how well she was after that. But that I think that was almost the most um, frightening thing that ever happened to me because as I say I didn't have a GP there at the time and he had to be called. It fortunately it was lunchtime. And as doctors in those days had their surgeries in their homes very often, it's quite likely that he was at home when the call came in. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that was you know, I told you about. Because in these slum houses, some of them, there were literally about four houses on each side of the block and they just had one loo between them. But, I mean, they've all gone long ago now. But I did go to someone who had a bakery there and um, in the room at the back of the bakery and she wasn't that young a mother so I, I honestly don't can't remember now whether she'd had previous children but she ended up having a forceps delivery and when it was one of the older more senior doctors that was doing it <coughs> and I was giving chloroform under his direction and uh, I simply said to him, what are all those marks on her arm? And he said, they're flea bites. Oh, <laughs> I've never seen flea bites before in my life. <laughs> and um, I remember going into another house. It must have been quite a small house. And I think we were, I think the front, front room had been set up as the um, delivery room. So I was delivering the baby at the same time as the dog was having pups. Oh, <laughs> 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 so that was, that was quite funny. <laughs>
We've had to be doing midwifery. I might have liked one of the pups, but I wouldn't have a dog while I was working. Um, I think, really, I think that's almost all I've got to say. Have I been talking for long? No, you've done three quarters of an hour. Oh, well, I can sit down. Yeah. I think, I I think sit I'm going to make the midwife a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I'd love, I'd love a cup of tea, please. Yes, I've got a proper this. Has anyone got any questions? Any more questions? I've got one. Um, did you have a Sorry? Did you have a social life? Did, did, you, so what did, you, did we have a social life? And what um, did you do? Hmm? What did you do as well? Um, yes, actually, the midwife that I was, uh, whose home I was staying in to begin with, had a brother, and we used to go dancing um, some Saturday evenings. Samson um, and Hercules? Hmm? Was it the Samson and Hercules? No, it wasn't. It was further out along the Archon Road. I can't. Oh, I know the one, yeah. You know where I mean. Yeah, I can't remember Mecca. the name of it. Norwood. Norwood Yes. 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 We used to go dancing sometimes there. Um, actually, I mean, apart from going to the cinema sometimes or something like that. Unfortunately. Um, you see, if I, if I was off duty, she was on duty, so I'd probably be spending the day with her mother. And unfortunately, her mother would rather go and look round the shops than go to somewhere, you know, more out in the country. But don't worry, because I've caught up since. When, <laughs> when I was living in the flat, I could do what I liked with my off-duty time. The main thing to remember about that time, of course, is that we didn't have a lot of money. So you couldn't, you couldn't spend a lot of money because you just simply didn't have it. Um, when I first bought, bought my first car, I can remember it cost £300. And, of course, I didn't have any money to buy a car with. So the, uh, we were employed by the local authority, not by the health service, but both the local authority, Norwich City Council. So they lent me money at 1% interest, and I borrowed some of my father, which I paid him back at 0% interest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your first car? Hmm? What was your first car? It was a Ford um, Anglia, but it was, you know, going back years now, it was a long time ago. It, uh, that was in about 54 or 55. And um, then I kept that car for three years. I always managed to trade them in after three years. And after three years, I borrowed some more money off my father, which this time I paid him back with interest that he would have been, you know, he would have been getting from the building society. And um, from there onwards, I, always, I never spent my mileage allowance. I always kept my mileage allowance. So from then there onwards, with the trade-in and the mileage allowance, I always managed to have a new car every three years. I still do drive for short distances, but I think the car I've got now, I've been driving for about 14 years. <laughs> Probably hasn't got any more mileage on it than, you know, those did have after three years. Um, yes, that's all a bit of, all a bit of social history. <laughs> would you ever want to go back and see another delivery? Like, would you go to the North of Norwich and just have a little look, see um, if they do things there? 
I think I would be quite happy to actually because I think, you see, my experience in the West Norwich was not terribly happy. Um, That's Bothorpe Road, is it, West Norwich? Yes, Bothorpe Road. We didn't know the mums before they came in. We didn't know anything about them before they came in. And um, our delivery suite was not, not very nice, not very nice at all. And when I was on night duty there, there was one permanent night sister there. And then there was a relief for when she was off duty. And then, as I say, three of us took it in turns to do six weeks nights. And the one who was the permanent night sister, even when she'd got two people who might be delivering fairly shortly, would say, go and have a break now. Well, I didn't think much of that idea. I would have much rather been, I didn't like leaving people when they were getting towards the yeah. end of labour. I didn't like that at all. And, you know, and, you know, she, she'd think she could do the two at once. She'd deliver one and then go to the second one, deliver that, and then go and deliver the placenta of the first one and so on. And I didn't think, I didn't think that was very nice at all. The person who relieved her when she was off duty, she was lovely, she was an absolute hoot. She had us in stitches, but she wouldn't have inter interfered with anything we did. She was quite happy to just be there as the senior figure. <laughs> well, you said the rooms weren't very nice in the West Norwich. What do you mean by that? They didn't. Well, what you, what you, the wards weren't very nice. I mean, they're just the great long wards. And um, then at the end of the ward, there was a nursery, and at night the babies were put into the nursery. And if you heard one crying, you were supposed to, if the mother was breastfeeding, you were supposed to take it to the mother to be fed, or otherwise you'd give it a bottle. And I don't, you know, if, if the baby had been by the mother, every time one had cried, it would have. Well, the whole lot up, so it was very, very difficult, and uh, I, I just didn't think it was a, I didn't think it was a very nice environment for mothers to have their babies in. Actually, we had a a senior sister as well as the three of us who took it in turns. There was a senior sister who was on the cusp of retirement, and she was very nice, but she didn't actually do much. But as I say, she was on the cusp of retirement and I actually collected the money for a retirement gift. This is quite nothing to do with midwifery, but I went into one of the um, uh, goldsmiths on London Street and uh, told them, uh, you know, to buy her a gold watch for her retirement. That's what she wanted. And I mean, the consultants and everybody had given money towards this. And when I said what it was for, I got a great discount on the... So that was very good. I mean, she was very well, she'd been known for a long time, obviously, and I hadn't known her all that time. And she was very well thought of, and give her, but she was in charge. And uh, I can remember on one occasion going, to, going into work that day and not feeling very well. And she had a little bottle of brandy that they had used to resuscitate babies with. I mean, I'd never <laughs> I had never resuscitated babies with, a, uh, with brandy, but she, so it's still got the brandy there, so she gave me some brandy to bring me out. <laughs> she was very, very kind.
find watching the television called the Midwife series interesting? Or D sorry, can you? The, the television yeah. series called the Midwife. That was on the television. Did yes. You find it, did you find it interesting? Or, or well, I know it wasn't exactly the same. Yeah, I, I found it interesting, period. but I think the first series was the one yeah. which was much more really like yeah, things really were, because now they're going on and on to a time. I mean, if I had wanted to carry on doing midwifery, district midwifery was going out of out of favour, so I would have ended up having to go into hospital. And I think they I think they're sort of inventing things now because I think they've got past the stage where there was much district midwifery going on. But I thought the first series was pretty authentic, bearing in mind that I don't know that district where they were. Um, We've got all the DVDs for hire. <laughs> <laughs> And books and things as well, obviously. Yeah, Anyone else got... Oh, sorry, more questions? How many midwives where they're covering the, your district? As, you know, as a district uh, midwife, how many... Sorry, how how many, many district nurses did you have covering Sorry, I'm a bit area? deaf. Sorry. Do you want me to say? Yeah. How many district midwives were covering your area? Ah, that's interesting, yes. Well, there were three of us that did adjacent areas so one was doing eat and rise and all out that way and um one was doing more down on the um Deerham road and some roads off there and we we relieved each other for time off duty but there were times of course when for various reasons you could get called to absolutely anywhere in the city but that's what we did we we relieved each other, went round in a sort of rotor. Um, that was, not, I mean, we all got on very well with one another. The other thing, which of course I'm thinking, looking to social history, was that none of us were married. Oh. Because you see, we were of the generation when an awful lot of men did not come back from the war. I mean, I was probably the youngest of them. But I, th by that time, I'd got so much into what I was doing, that I, into my career, that I might never have got married anyway. But there wasn't a single married midwife. And in fact, when I went on to do health visiting later on, there were only one or two married health visitors at that time. <coughs> and I said to one of them, oh, well, you must know more than I do. And she said, no, she said, because you don't look at it from, you know, just from sort of one point of view. You've got a more all-round approach. But she, she actually, she's a marvellous person because she and her husband had fostered lots of children as well. And one of them still regards... She lost her husband a while ago, but one of them still regards her as mother and she regards her as her daughter. And she probably is more helpful to her mother than either of her two sons oh. are. <laughs> So, uh, but as I say, I can only remember about a couple who were married then. As some, then there were some younger ones came on health visiting who were married, but it was a completely different sort of world. As I said, if, if people got married while they were doing their nurse training, they, they weren't allowed to continue, not, not in our hospital. And the one who got married at the end of the three years wasn't allowed to have a hospital medal because we had a 
Maltese cross on a medal, which I had to stop wearing when I was doing midwifery because I didn't want to clonk the babies on the head. <laughs> she wasn't allowed to have that and she wasn't allowed to do a year's staffing. She just had to leave. <laughs> That's unbelievable, isn't it? Mm. it, it, it well, this is just shows how things have changed over the years. That was a very, um, very strict thing because they say you can't look after the babies and mothers and you can't look after a, a house with a husband and children. No. You can't do both. Uh, so they were very strict in those days. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you, you either get married and look after yes, your family. Yes, it's all right. I won't lose it. That's okay. <laughs> you'll, you'll kill me if I lose it. <laughs> Yes, that's another thing. Of course, the mothers, the mothers used to stay in bed for at least three days after they were delivered. And we went in, this is something that's very different, we went to visit them twice a day for the first three days, and then once a day there on until the tenth day. They weren't just, and, and I was absolutely horrified when my eldest great-niece, after she'd had her C-section with her first baby, I think she just stayed in overnight and was sent home the next day, and one of the midwives said, would you like a visit tomorrow? And I thought, how the blazes does she know it's her first baby? Uh, you know, I, I just think things are going a bit too lax now if that sort of thing is happening. Mm. But there were also uh, home helps who used to go into you know, run the household and look after the other children when the mothers had had babies. But usually they didn't get up much at all until after the third day. And of course, the other thing is that everybody did not have bathrooms. So we used to douche them for the first three days, twice a day, because um, an awful lot of people couldn't, didn't have bathrooms and couldn't have gone and had a bath Anyway, I don't remember in those days people having showers, and showers, of course, would have been much more hygienic anyway, mm. but I don't remember people having showers. Mm. But amongst, I did, um, I have delivered several doctor's wives, actually, and I can remember one of them, I can't remember what her name was, no, who, who swore all the way through labour. <laughs> <laughs> she's too posh to push. <laughs> no, she's not too posh to push. <laughs> but she just did a lot of swearing while she was around. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. So do you mind us asking what year you were born? Hmm? What year were you born? What year was I born? Oh, what a question to ask anybody. <laughs> no, so it, was it was my question, she but I said, me. can you ask? Because I, I wasn't sure whether it had been asked already, because I was late. 1928. So you're as my mum, you're 88. When's your birthday? Uh, the 1st of May. Oh. I'm 89 oh. now. So you're older 19. than my mum. 90 next year. Yeah, so when's your mum's birthday? It's not much next week, 17th of October. Oh, oh she's going to be 89 then? Yeah. Well, you know, it's half seven already. You've kept us so entertained. <laughs> 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 <laughs>